Good morning. How's everybody doing? So John uh, was asked this past week to speak at his old church uh, over in Illinois. Uh, so he's, he's not on a job interview. Uh, he was just asked to fill in, and we, we've invited him to come back next week uh, again. So uh, just so you know, he, he was actually, he had, he had a really strong message on, on his heart. So if, if you tune out on my sermon this morning, it's okay. Pray for John. He had something really some really good things that he wanted to share with his, with his old church. Um, if you've driven around Bloomington this week, uh, you've, maybe you've noticed something different. What, what was that? It's a little more crowded. Um, with the students back in town, there's somewhere between 30 and 40% more population. And so how, how, many, how many students do we have starting this week? Uh, Ivy Tech, IU? All right. Good luck, guys. <clears throat> I was going to wear red this morning, and I was going to wear green, and I decided to wear gray. So I, I really could pick a side, but um, we are, we're welcome back. We're glad that uh, you guys are here. And uh, if you don't mind, uh, try to stay off the streets, because the rest of us are trying to get around town, and um, we'd appreciate that. No. <laughs> you know, I was thinking this week... Um, I was trying to think through like college life. I was, because we're, we're talking about new beginnings this morning, and, and it's a new beginning for a new semester, and for a lot of us going back to school, our kids are going to school. And I was trying to remember like what was it like in college, and I got these cold chills. Like, oh my gosh, I had like what career am I going to go into? What job am I going to get? Who am I going to meet? How do I get an internship? I mean, all these things flood through. So I actually don't miss a lot about college. And then I I was trying to think about. What, what are like the key takeaways from college? What, 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 was the, uh, what, what were some of the things that really stuck with me? And this is the truth. One, the thing that popped into my head the f- first was I was back in a marketing lab. Uh, this, is, this is pretty far back in the 80s, right? So I was in a marketing lab, and we had just gotten all new computers called the Apple II. We had arrived. And I remember going through you know, learning this, this, these programs, and, and, and then I learned that there was this thing called the undo, right? It was the undo. It was a menu item, and then, and then I, later I learned there, there was a keyboard command, command Z, and that was the undo, and I kept thinking, oh my gosh, <laughs> like, this is unbelievable. All my mistakes, I could just undo, and that kind of, that's what stuck with me somehow this week, and that kind of led me to what I want to talk about this morning with you, which is we're going, to, we're going to jump into the life of Noah, and we're going to talk about the command Z. We're going to talk about the undo. Uh, so we're going to talk about, we're going to take a journey in keeping with the theme of vacations. We're going on a cruise this week, okay? We're going to, it's not necessarily with buffets and music, it's, it's just some loud animals and maybe smelly animals and a lot of rain. So we're going to, we're going to go on a cruise this week. Um, by the way, a little shameless plug here. I brought a couple of slides in. Has anybody ever been to the Creation Museum <clears throat> in Petersburg? Fantastic, uh, fantastic vacation, mini vacation. Go. It's wonderful. It will deepen your faith about what you believe and what, what the world teaches and what God's Word teaches. Um, there was another one that opened up from the same creators this summer called um, the Ark Encounter. Has anybody been there yet to the Ark Encounter? Okay, so it, 
It's the ark. It's the, it's the real ark. It's actually in, um, in Grant County, Kentucky, which is about 45 miles south of Petersburg, close to, um, close to Cincinnati. It's on the way down to, to Lexington. I haven't been there yet, but, but we definitely want to take this trip because it is, it is a true experience. There's a few slides here. It, you actually walk through the ark, uh, and, and it's an opportunity to, to jump into what it must have been like to have, to have been on the ark. Um, but today I want to look through. So I asked John, I said, so let me, give me a scripture reference, you know, for this series. And he gave me four chapters. He gave me four chapters. So we're going to read every word. <laughs> Open your Bibles to Genesis, you know, <clears throat> six through nine. I'm going to try to summarize and, and get through to the points that I want to talk about this morning. But I, I'll start with this. God was upset. God was upset with the world. And in Genesis 6, 5 through 6, it says that the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the hearts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that He'd made human beings on the earth, and His heart was deeply troubled. So, so God comes to this point and says, what have I done? The people were marrying the wrong people. They were, the people had gone wild, and, and it's not like this is a new thing to us. People are wild today, and people have gone wild. But, but God saw this and saw that every inclination of the heart was only evil all the time. And that's a pretty major like, issue for, for God. But there was this guy, Noah, that God called out. And God, it says that Noah was found righteous. So in Genesis 6, verse 8, it says this. We're going to come back to this verse. This is, the, this is the King James Version. It says, Noah found grace in the sight of God. This is the first time in the Bible that God exemplifies or talks about grace. And I want to talk about it just for a minute and then keep moving on through, through the flood. Grace is a concept that's sometimes really hard for us to get. And I want to, I want to dig into that this morning. So I'm going to ask you in a few minutes to pull your heart out and I want to talk about grace. But there is a difference between grace and mercy. Roger and I actually talked this week. Roger helped me with some things and said this. Grace is getting what I don't deserve. It's actually getting something I don't deserve. I got an extra large fry, and I only ordered a small. I got grace. I didn't pay for that. I just, I just got it. It came. I didn't ask for it. I was blessed by this extra large fry. That's grace. Mercy is not getting what I deserve. I got stopped by a cop. I was speeding. I was breaking the law. And he let me off. That's mercy. We, we love mercy and we love grace. They work hand in hand. And God shows mercy and grace all throughout Scripture. It's important to understand the differences because we have to understand the differences if we're going to commit our life to God. So it says that, that God found grace in Noah. Noah was found righteous. Um, his mercy extended throughout. So, so Noah goes on this journey. I'm just going to list a few Scriptures. I'm not going to read them. Genesis 7, Genesis 6, Genesis 6-3, Genesis 7-12. But essentially what was happening is that God was instructing Noah to build a large boat and said, I'm going to wipe the earth clean. I'm going to cleanse the earth. I need you to do this. Um, So Noah begins that that journey. Um, God says, I want you to preserve for me everything that's living so that we can continue this because we're going to hit an undo. And we're going to hit a restart, a new beginning. And we're going to start over. 
Um, so God brought the animals. I know that's one of the things. I and mean, when you think about the ark, we think about all the stories that, that you've heard of the ark. You, you, you know, it always goes back to the great zoo, right? It's, it's all the animals, and, it's, and, and there's some other things that went on I want to talk about this morning. But God actually brought different kinds of animals. God brought what the Bible talks about, clean animals and unclean animals. A clean animal um, in, in Genesis uh, was an animal with a split hoof, uh, who chewed the cud. And so that would be, you know, a cow, a goat. Uh, and there were fish and insects in that grouping as well, fish with scales like bluegill. God brought bluegill. And, and, and those were things that were clean. Now, I'm not going to go into dietary laws this morning, but later on, if you read through the, New Te- the Old Testament, there were some dietary laws around what God had decided. There were unclean animals, unclean animals like owls. And there were unclean animals who didn't have a split hoof, um, and God decided, and so he brought seven, pair, seven of the kind of clean animals and two of the unclean animals to Noah. God provided those and said, bring those, they're, they're going to preserve. That's why that ship looks so big, because God had, uh, had instructed Noah to build it for these animals. Now, we had this realization in our household this week, uh, who, in, who out here has a dog or a cat? I'm sorry to say that they're, they were in the unclean group. Um, <laughs> You know, we had to console our, our small Morky this week because he doesn't have a split hoof. It isn't chew his cud. And so we, they're part of that unclean group because you don't eat them and, and God had decided these things. So, so there were unclean and there were clean animals. Um, we don't know exactly how long it took to, to construct the ark. The, the experts say and what we know from Scripture, it's somewhere between 55 and 120 years just looking through what the scriptures are, but, but if you just took an average of 75 years, now remember, in these days, people lived longer. Noah lived to be 950, 600 years before he actually got on the ark. So there was a, there was a period of time that, that took a long time. So can you imagine God instructing you, pulled you out and said, I need you to preserve this, and I need you to build the ark, and gave all the dimensions. It's all written in Genesis. This is what I need you to go build. And, and the ridicule, and, and Noah was a farmer, so did he hire people? We, we're not sure, but somehow he constructed this. He had three sons, uh, Ham, Shem, and, and Japheth, and they, they had their wives, and it was Noah and his wife, and there were eight people. And God said, I'm going to preserve eight. Eight will live, and the animals will, will live. And that's what, that's what happened on the ark. Um, there were different types of... Uh, signs that, that no. And then, and then, of course, it rained, right? It rained and rained. The water came up out of the earth. And for 40 days, the Bible says that it rained. And, and then God shut the door. Can you imagine if, how difficult it would have been for Noah to have shut the door, but God shut the door? Because you're closing out mankind. You recognize what's about to happen is that there's mass destruction on the earth. There's a, so so when, when the ark finally lands on, on Mount Ararat, which is, a, which is an actual place, nobody's actually discovered it, but we think it's somewhere in there, that when Noah landed, the first thing he did was he, get, he got out, released the animals, and they, and they set up a temple and they worshiped God. Now, two things from, from Noah's life that, uh, that I want to just touch on. 
that we learn from, from Noah at this, t- at this time. A couple of insights. First, um, when God saw all the evil acts of people, he, he, he chose Noah and he wasn't happy. So what we, what we read about Noah is basically nothing. Noah didn't say anything. When we read about Noah, it says that God spoke and he obeyed. So there's a lesson in there, right? How many times do you think throughout that journey of however many years he was working on that ark or he was sitting on the ark waiting for the rain to stop, do you think he would have to just climb out and say, I'm done too? Noah didn't do that. Noah found favor in God's sight. God was graceful to Noah. But Noah responded and received it. And, And I want to talk a little bit this morning about how we receive grace. It's an important concept. So what I, what I want to do is though transition to what Noah's story, and now I want to get into our story. So I want to, I want to fast forward to 1 Peter. So if you have your Bibles, you can start turning to 1 Peter chapter, chapter 3, and we're going to look at verse 20 through 22 in a minute. Peter starts by setting it up and saying, in the days of Noah, God was, was displeased with the men. So he lays out the picture of what was going on with Noah. But then he starts to lay out the differences between what was actually happening when God cleansed the earth and now when God is cleansing us. And this, then this starts to get really, really good. He says this in, in, chapter, 21, or in chapter 3, verse 21. I'm reading out of the, of the voice, which I, it's a great version of the Bible if you haven't read it. Actually, Roger suggested it to me a few years ago, and it's been, it's been an awesome read. The voice, uh, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21 The water through which the ark safely passed symbolizes now the ceremonial washing through baptism that initiates you into salvation. You are saved not because it cleanses your body of filth, but because it cleanses, but because of your appeal to God from a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus the anointed, our liberating King. So there was a separation that takes place. And, and the one thing that, that's always interesting about the stories about Noah and the ark when you were growing up is that most people, and, and certainly Peter could have said this, it was the ark that saved Noah, right? It's, it was the ark that he built that saved Noah. That actually wasn't the case. The, what saved Noah wasn't the ark. It was the water and the cleansing that saved Noah that took the separation from mankind's sin and separated it out because Noah was, wouldn't have been strong enough to have taken that on. Noah was a vessel to build and to be part of God's history. It wasn't Noah's ark that saved mankind and that saved his family. It was the water. And, and, and in my opinion, there's no greater picture, if you've ever considered or have ever not been baptized, there's no greater picture of baptism in our walk than, than in 1 Peter 3. Because it is the separation of sin that just like we can't earn our, our, our salvation through Jesus, Jesus provided the way. We're not strong enough to do that. He provided the way and through His cleansing, through His death, burial, and resurrection, He provided that way out for, for us. And that's, that's, that's the foundation of our faith, but it ties back to what God was trying to instruct us as, as mankind. That, that separation, um, it, it breaks down into a couple ways. The Bible talks about two types of sins. 
that, that separate us. There's a sin of omission, which is really more of the sin of the heart, like something you should do, but you don't do it. Um, that sin is, an example would be talked about in, like, in James chapter 4, verse 17. There's another sin, which is more the sin of commission. The sin of commission is talked about in the Bible, and, that, and, and that's more of the, the, the sins of our, our senses, the things that we do or touch or see or feel. Those are, that's, a, that's a committed sin, and one is an omitted sin. So, so you really have to sit there this morning and say, well, so if, if I think something and I don't do something that I should do, that's a sin, that's a sin, that's, that's omission. A sin that I do, I jump in and do something physically that removes or, or is destructive, that's a sin. And so, so, so you have to say to yourself, how do I escape sin? You don't. Remember the, the words in, in Genesis, God saw that all of mankind and their thoughts were only evil all the time. Sins of omission, sins of commission. There is nothing that we can do to escape sin other than through Jesus Christ. That, that's the truth. That's, that's what the Bible teaches. We strive and we push and we want and we hope, but we can't. That, that's, that's not who we are. We are made with a human nature that has been given free will. And you know what? We choose wrong. We, we choose wrong. That's, that's who we are. Um, so, so let's transition because I want to get to our main thought for today. Because then you go like, oh, mate, you just depressed me. <laughs> I know. I'm depressed reading it, talking about it. But let's get to our main point. I want to go back to Genesis, um, and I want to look at this Peter verse. Genesis chapter 6, verse 8, and I'm going to read it from a different version out of the Common English Bible. It says this, But as for Noah, the Lord approved of him. And then in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21, it says, You are saved because of your appeal to God from a good conscience. So I'm going to look at a couple of things this morning. I'm going to look at two ideas that I want you to think about. I've been thinking about it. And, and it's pretty heavy stuff, so, so hang with me. Um, God's approval is, is number one. Uh, God saw Noah and approved of him. God approved of Noah. And, in, and Peter talks about the appeal that we're saved through Jesus because of a good conscience. I want to talk about our conscience and I want to talk about our approval. Those are two important aspects of our Christian walk that are, very, are difficult to deal with on most days. So, so Noah, who had a clear conscience, did what God said, however many years it took to build the ark, all the rain, all the challenge, I'm sure he had a splinter or two going through that. He won God's approval, not because he built the ark, not because he did enough, to win God's, because of who he was. And so Noah, I think, understood. I, I wish I could talk to Noah. Because I think Noah understood that it wasn't about anything that he was going to do. It was that God approved him and of him. And Peter was talking about with Jesus, we're seeking out a good conscience. We're seeking out the freedom of our minds to be able to have a good conscience. We've got to trust our ways and acknowledge him. And we have to understand that grace isn't, it's about acceptance. And sometimes 
it's like this. When, when somebody gives you a gift, I've seen this happen before. I actually had a grandmother who would do this. You would give her a gift and she would say, how much can I pay you? I, you don't like that. You used your own money. I don't want you to do that. And you're like, no, oh, grandma, it's a gift. Really, <laughs> and, and Jeff talked about it this morning with his daughter with a nickel. If somebody doesn't take the gift, you're going to feel bad. Grace is a gift that has been created for you. Sometimes in our Christian walk, we have problem accepting that. And we go into this idea of somehow I've done wrong enough where I have to keep cleansing that conscious out. I have to keep doing some things to cleanse that conscious. Bill Hybels, for any of you who've ever seen or read, or, or even a few weeks, well, two weeks ago, he was, he was uh, the, the speaker at our, our Global Leadership Summit. So Bill Hybels wrote a book called Becoming a Contagious Christian, and in it, he talks about a concept that is really simple and really good. It's do versus done. And he says this, religion is spelled D-O, and it is all about trying to do enough to please God, but Christianity is spelled D-O-N-E. Jesus has done what, could never, what we could actually never do in, our, in and of ourselves. He lived the perfect life and died on the cross and paid it all and paid for all the wrong stuff that we have done. So, so it's, not about, it's not about what we do. It's about what is done. And, and, and I'm, I'm going to go through some points here, and I want you to really listen closely, because I have to wrestle with this, and we all have to wrestle with this. There are some, opportun- there are some issues that we have in our lives that, that muddy that concept up, and Satan is behind it. And they muddy that concept up with what I do to be clear with God, to clear my conscience, and what I do to seek God's approval. These are two ideas that, that, that the flood and, and Jesus washing away our sins come together on. And I want to talk about four issues that get in our way this morning. They get in my way and they get in your way. Issue number one that, that, that gets in our way of approval. So I'm just going to call these sort of our conscious approval, right? So, so, uh, so number one is this idea that I doubt it. It's the idea that I doubt it. And, and that idea enters our minds when we doubt that God would be very pleased with what we do, and so we hide. And we say, you know, God, could he really love me if he really knew? Could God love me if he knew what I just did? Could God love me if he knew what thought life I have? Could God really, could he really love me if he knew? And, and, and that puts us into this state at times where we get depressed and we start hiding and doubting and say, there's no way. Now, I, I know God, you, you know, you probably forgive people, but, but I'm in a situation here I, I don't think you forgive me of I, because I keep doing it. And we don't really want to get out of the house in the morning much less show up in a church building because we're looking around us going, well, there are people singing, they look pretty happy, they keep using God. I think I'll, I think I'll scoot back into the fray. I'm going to go into hiding because I, I, if anybody in this room knew what my life was like, they would throw me out this door in a New York second. And that idea of I doubt it creeps into our lives and we go, I 
I don't know how God could ever love me through this. Well, and that's the doing part because you're thinking, what do I need to do to get rid of that doubt? What Bill Heibel said is that's done. The doubt is done, guys. The doubt is done because he knows you. By the way, you can't hide from God. Ask Adam, ask Eve. You think they, they couldn't hide from God because they tried and God said, uh, I, I kind of see you. Uh, you don't really hide, but, but let me make this right. 2 Timothy 1.7, for God gave us a spirit of, uh, for God gave us uh, a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. And, and so it's not about, it's not even just the doubt, like he's saying, look, look, that's not anything at all what I have in mind. Not only do you not need to think that, I'm counting on you to get out of yourself and not doubt. I actually need you to go work for me. So, so that that's done. Jesus died for that. The sins are washed away from, from doubt. And God is the God that gets rid of doubt. We sang it in our first song this morning. Number two, the concept that separates us, that we struggle between our conscience and God's approval. I want God to approve me is this. Well, I'll just prove it. I'll, I'll show God um, because I will go achieve for him. So this form of approval says this, God can't accept me for who I am. I know that. So I'm going to need to, I'm going to need to prove it to him. So I'm going to go, I'm just going to try to get through the day and not sin. And we get through the day or we get through the hour and we go, ah, oh, I blew it again. God, I'll, I'll do better next time. I just need you to forgive me. And then we go three days and we go, yes. And then we, then we fall and we go, okay, give me, give me another chance, God, and I'll go, I'll shoot for a month. I'll shoot for a month and not do this thing or think this thing or treat people this way. And then at the end of the month, what happens we go, God, just give me, I'll do it three months this time. And then we get by three months and we go, three years, God, just three, three years, and I will prove this to you that I can get through this thing and, and you will be proud of me eventually because I need your approval. And that is the due version of prove it. In terms of Bill Heibel, proof is done. You're not proving anything. All you're proving is that you actually don't trust. Now, I know how hard that is because you're going, wait a minute, I have a soft heart here. It's a factor of trust that I don't really, I'm not really sure if, if all my sins are washed away because I keep doing that. Well, read through the writings of Paul sometime who said, I am of the greatest of sinners and that which I want to do, I keep on doing. That which I don't want to do, I, I, I don't do. Lord, help me. I am a, how wretched am I who wrote most of the New Testament? So, so grapple with the idea that that is done in, in, 1 Peter, uh, in Romans 8, 1 and 1 Peter 1, 3 through 4. Um, it says this, In Christ there is no condemnation. There is no condemnation. But he supplies an incorruptible life that does not fade away. That's 1 Peter 1, 3. Read through it. He supplies, he supplies an incorruptible life that does not fade away. You don't supply an incorruptible life. God supplies that. There's nothing to prove. The proving has already happened. It's accepting that and moving on is the key. Number three is the attitude that says I'll earn it. I will just, 
earn this. Now, I don't know where this comes from in us. I think probably a lot of it comes from when we were kids. You know, this idea that it's bred into us in our church upbringing. We've, we've picked this up from other sources along the way. Lord, I'll just, I'll just earn it. I'll make a list. I will pray every morning. And then I'll spend, I'll spend 17 minutes reading my Bible. And then I'll pray for the people around me. And then I'll get involved in a church in a small group. And I'll see what else could I do. I need to give to the poor. I need to do that because that, I know somewhere I read that. And I see a few other people doing that. I need to serve. So gosh, there's probably some meals somewhere I can do. And, and their earnings pile up. And when, and when we haven't checked all the boxes and in baseball terms, we're not batting 300. We think we go to the end of the lineup or we're out of the lineup and get in the dugout because we, we haven't earned it. And so we say, well, it's my fault if, if my colleague who I've been praying for isn't coming to Christ. I, I need to go get with him. And I need to sit. I had a guy one time that was years ago in ministry, I was discipling him. And he came up and he said, I need to confess something to you. And it's the the sin of not reading my Bible today. And I was like, I didn't either. You know, like, let's dwell on our sin together. Because I didn't read it this morning. Um, that's, that's the way that we're wired. Somewhere along the way, we're, we're looking for approval. We're looking for acceptance. We're looking for a good conscience. And we say, well, let me earn that. And Bill Hybels turns the earning is done. The earning is over. There is nothing that you can do uh, to earn it. In Galatians 2.16, it says, a person is made right with God only by faith in Jesus Christ and not obeying a law. A person is made right with God only by faith in Jesus Christ, not by obeying a law. Jesus taught that, and that's why he had this stance against the Pharisees. Because of all the hundreds of laws that they had, he kept saying, that's not the point. Your hearts are far from God. You're like whitewashed tombs. And we get to be like whitewashed tombs because we try to pile up and we say, I'm going to earn it. I'm going to go do more, be more. And, that, and, and, and that's done. God says that earning is over. It, it wasn't up to you to earn it. It was up to me, it was up to Jesus came and, and did the earning. So put the earnings aside and let's talk about point number four because this one's really tough. Point number four is I'll convince them. And this one's tough for a lot of us because one of the most difficult forms of approval is human approval. And we say it this way, I'm going to do this thing because my mom wanted me to. I'm going to do this thing because dad always wanted me to be, to be this person or go to this church. Or my wife, in order for me to, to, to be the right husband, to be the right wife, I, I need to prove, I need to go in and can, I need to convince them. So I'm just going to work really, really hard to convince these people that I, because I need their approval. I, I need mom's approval. I need dad's approval. And, and what I, one of the things that disturbs me most about Satan, of all the things, and it's a lot of things, is when he works in children's lives. When Satan picks up his whatever ugly stick he's got, 
and starts to work in children's life. This is one of those behaviors that, learn, that you learn at a young age. I'm going to seek mom's approval here. I talked to one of you about it this morning. And there's a separation and we go, it's heavy because mom really was never very proud of me. Dad really never did spend much time at my games, take interest in my music, understand what I was really all about. And so I have to convince them. And so I'm going to keep moving on this journey, and I just hope they notice. I hope they notice because, because I, I'm going to continue. I need their love. I, I don't think I can move past this point unless I get mom's love. Unless I get my wife's love, unless I get my kids' love. And the perfectionism that comes out of that and the insecurity that comes out of that is, is deep. And, and I, I know I'm going to talk to a lot of your hearts this morning because a lot of you are running after things and try to gain approval from people. And that has never been part of God's plan. And by the way, people will always fail you. Whether they're sitting next to you right now or whether they're waiting out there, they will always fail you. And there is, there is no way to gain approval or to, get, to have a clear conscience by going and trying to please someone. It is a dead-end street, and it's tough to get off that road if you're on it. That deserving is already done. What we deserve is, 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 is already done. I had the pleasure this week of studying the Bible with a, with a young man in junior high. And we were, we were going through the gospel, and we were talking about what it meant to him. And he had no idea how heavily he was ministering to my heart because the purity that was coming out of his mouth wasn't what I was thinking. And he was just completely discipling me in the way that he was talking. Because what he was recognizing was, I know there's nothing I can do Nothing I can think. I, I just want to make God happy, and so I want to be baptized. Um, and that went a long way in my walk this week. It was, it was outstanding. God will have, there, there will be limitations in the people's lives around you. There will be limitations. Let me, let me, let me wrap up with this. Um, there's, a, there's a book out called um, All Uninvited. Uh, some of you probably know the, the author, uh, Lisa Turkhurst. Is anybody familiar with Lisa? A lot of you are. She's amazing. She came out with a book this month called Uninvited. Lisa talks about uh, approval. Lisa talks about the, the, the challenges of seeking people approval. And she goes through a, a detail in her life and a time in her life when she was young seeking her father's approval. And there was an Easter where her mother had bought her a new dress. This they had no money, this family. And her, her, her mother bought her a new dress. She's all excited and thinking, I'm going to look beautiful. I am going to put this dress on, and I'm going to show my dad. And so she goes over to the chair where dad was sitting, like he always did, and watching television. And she stood by him, what she said it seemed like forever probably 20 minutes, 30 minutes. And, and she stood in her dress. I, I, he's going to notice me any second. And when he didn't notice her, she began to twirl around his chair. He said, I, he, he's going to notice me. He's going to pick this up. 
And after about 20, 30 minutes of that with, with no interaction, eyes fixed on television, she ran her room, took the dress off, threw it down. And from that point in her life, things started to unravel. What she talks about for the rest of her life, seeking out what she calls the scraps of love. I, I began looking for scraps of love to seek scraps of love out and, and never did find them. She, she went through a, an abortion she went through all kinds of trials in her life and finally meets Jesus Christ and she says this finally. God's love isn't based on you. It's placed on you. God's love isn't based on you. It's placed on you. I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know what undoes, what fresh starts, what new beginnings that you, you need to go through. These are some heavy times in our lives seeking God's approval, seeking God's, that clear conscience, it's already done. 